episode 342, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode three, Power Broker. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. Uh, welcome back if you've been with us before. If this is your first time with us, then just general welcome. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here because we like to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, when I say we, I don't mean just me. I mean me. I mean Stuart sitting right over there to my left. Hey, I'm sitting right over here to your left. And there's Samantha right over there to my right. Hey, how are how are you guys? And uh, we are still social distancing. That's just the way we do things here. Uh, we we always have. It's been. not six feet. It's six hundred miles, but um, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> I I would walk five hundred miles. I would walk five hundred more. So I'm just gonna <laughs> throw that out there. But, yeah. So uh, this I, I is a, don't know if it's five hundred miles from here. By the way. <laughs> This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and just quickly to tell you our spoiler policy, because we may end up talking about things that happened before this episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if we've talked about it on this podcast, which includes all the movies, which we we have talked about all the movies and all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff, we might spoil it. It doesn't mean we will spoil it. It just means that we, we might spoil it. So we might talk about things without putting up a spoiler warning like hey spoiler warning this happened to thanos and rosebud and uh you know it was his mother all along you know that kind of thing we're not we're, we're not going to throw up a spoiler warning this is your spoiler warning right now but we're going to have a conversation that's going to primarily be about season one episode three of the falcon and the winter soldier and this is about the power broker and I just have to say, uh, this series, I'm hearing some interesting feedback from people about it. I'm hearing people say this is what they wanted. I'm hearing people say it's moving too slowly. I'm hearing people say, why, what are they, what's the choice here? Why are they choosing to do it this way or that way? Um, there is not like a real through line that everyone is, is just kind of jumping on a bandwagon with this one. It's kind of all over the place. What's your guys' experience so far with this? Uh, for the most part, I'm hearing people like it. I, you know, a lot of people are saying, yeah, this is what I wanted. And then uh, it's getting a lot of comparisons to WandaVision. And because WandaVision was so, like, Easter egg-y, you know, it, it's getting a lot of well, why, you know, what that's what. It's getting a lot of comparisons, and I think it's a false comparison, and I don't think it's a good comparison either. I mean, this is a thing that stands on its own. What's interesting to me is some of those complaints about WandaVision and the things that they thought were Easter eggs and they thought were um, you know references, or is this where they're going to introduce mutants? Is this where they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four? This episode right here almost has done that. This episode right here is doing the kind of thing that I was expecting them to do when it starts to come down to fantastic four 
and X-Men because X-Men have a sly sort of side uh, introduction here. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, what I think is really interesting is, is again, if you go back to what was originally slated for phase four rollout, right? Before COVID, it was going to be Black Widow, and then it was going to be Falcon Winter Soldier, and then it was going to be WandaVision, and then it was going to be Loki. But because of COVID and all that sort of stuff, it got changed around. So I I, I don't know if I should or not, but I, I find myself putting trying to think about these three properties in that timeline context. And what's really interesting is basically it's now reversed. You know, Falcon Winter Soldier is still the middle one, but WandaVision and Black Widow are are opposite each other. I don't know if that matters at all, but I think WandaVision was such a runaway hit because we hadn't seen anything in, you know, two years as far as the MCU goes. And so it was such a runaway hit and people were so excited to see something new on television. And then this is, and then it was so weird, right? If this had been first, I think we'd still be excited to see it, but it wouldn't have been such a runaway hit like WandaVision is. What? I think it's interesting that people were complaining that um, WandaVision was so unlike the rest of the MCU. And then we get to Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it's more like, especially the um, the Captain America stuff, of course. It's more like what we've seen with the previous um, MCU movies. And just people just are not as interested in it. Um, those who are keeping up with it, my friends, yeah, they are saying that they do like it, but they're not nearly as wild about it as they were with WandaVision. Yeah, so I had a conversation just yesterday with a friend of mine, and he was just like, "Why are they going so slow with this? Why, why is nothing happening?" You know, and uh, w- what's interesting about where we are right now with this episode, the third episode of the series, if you're looking at it in that three act structure, where you know the first two episodes are kind of Act One, this is Act Two, and then the, you know the last two episodes will be Act Three. It's true. Like we hit the halfway point this time with this episode. We're at the halfway point and it does feel like not much is happening, but I didn't notice until someone said something like it. it I, I just didn't notice. Like I just felt like we're just going along. We, we have these characters. I feel like this is more a character driven show. That's, that's part of it. This is the buddy cop show. And, and so it's, if you like the characters and we've said this a lot, but if you like the characters, you are going along for the ride. If you don't. As opposed to WandaVision? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, WandaVision, WandaVision had, it was a slow burn for sure, but it was different every time. And you're trying to yeah. play catch up every time with this. It's a six hour movie that possibly could have been a two hour movie. And they're also trying to do an episode. So each episode has a thing that happens. That's the thing, you know, for this one, it's all the stuff in Madripoor. Um, For the previous one, it was, you know, the whole big, um, the, the bust, you know, that turned out to be a bust, you know, that they didn't get what they wanted out of it. 
but they, they found the super soldiers. It's kind of like every episode, we have three episodes so far and there's just kind of this, here's the next thing that happened. And so episode, yeah, last episode, they found out, oh, there's super soldiers out there. That's what, that's what happens in that episode. In this one, what happens? They track down and find out, oh, here's the guy who made the super soldier serum. And there's still some out there. And also WandaVision is more family friendly compared to Falcon and Winter Soldier, which has a lot of cussing in it and a lot of a lot more violence. More like the PG-13, maybe even our no PG-13 style violence, whereas um, the one the violence we saw in WandaVision, I, I, I think up until the very end or maybe towards the end, uh, it, it was more fantasy ba- ba- based and it was not nearly as much. Yeah. For this episode, especially, you know, it, it definitely earned the TV 14 <laughs> that it had. Yeah. Um, it, it, it felt like a movie, Marvel movie. It just feels like a really stretched out long Marvel movie because in the two hour and 10 minute version of this, you wouldn't get, for example, uh, the loan scene. You know, you, you wouldn't have gotten that scene because that that'd be one of the first things they cut. It'd be a deleted scene on the DVD, which I think is well, probably... sort of what they're trying to achieve here is to expand out the movie stories and and let maybe the characters breathe a little bit more and let the stories breathe more so you can learn the characters in a, in a different way. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting the feeling this could have been tightened down to a two hour, maybe three hour movie. It could have been. The question is, do we want it to be? You know, like I said, I like the fact that we're spending time with characters we like. Yeah. You know, and so I didn't notice that, oh, yeah, not, not much does happen. And and then my friend brings it up and is like, oh, yeah, if you're looking at it, just purely plot. Yeah. Each of these steps along the way for each of these episodes. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can understand that complaint. I get it. I don't agree with it. I understand where your friend is coming from, but I think that there are, I, I think there's more nuance happening than, than meets the eye. Not to call your friend out. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that. You yeah, know, I'm going to tell glad him. He, I'm, I'm going to tell him that you were talking about him like this. And, you should yeah. just make sure he listens to the episode and downloads it on all of his devices. Yeah. That's the one thing about this show. My friends don't listen to this podcast. So I, can feel pretty safe. Uh, my kids used to listen sometimes every once in a while. I guess one of my kids' friends does listen to it. So shout out to her. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but my friends don't, you know, and, and that's okay. That means I can talk about Evan behind his back and you know, he doesn't <laughs> even know. Uh, but it actually wasn't Evan that I was talking to yesterday. So Evan should be listening to this show. Yeah, he listens to other podcasts about a about uh, the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, but not this one. Oh, Evan. Yeah. Maybe he's just tired of my he's voice. Not... Yeah. You know, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Evan is my co-host on uh, the other podcasts that I do, Strangers and Aliens. So, And he's been a guest on this show a couple times. He has. Too. Yeah, he, was, he yeah. was on to talk about some of the Netflix stuff for a little bit. And yeah. yeah. Didn't he used to do promos? For this show or no, call them like he did full fledged, fully produced yes, listener yes. feedback. 
it was the best feedback I've ever heard in my life. As he a, was calling in as an agent in the field with helicopters and mm-hmm. everything, giving a full Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. report. It was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about this episode then. And there's a lot about this episode that I really just, it warmed me because of, I've talked about before, some of my favorite uh, Marvel comics storylines is being referenced somewhat in, in this. And that is the whole John Walker thing where you have this guy who is Captain America. He has the name, but he isn't Captain America because he's not Steve. And today with this episode, I'm watching and I see him like they are, they're running after flag smasher people and they, they go into a place and he tries to bully some answers and he actually uses the (laughs) if anyone actually uses this in conversation to you just know they have reached the point of absolute desperation if anyone actually makes it to the point where they say to you do you know who i am just say no (laughs) like even if you do know who they are just say no who who are you because that's exactly what they're going to hear and it's really going to calm things down and (laughs) but or just, you know, laugh in their face. That really works, too. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. and and obviously, you know, they throw that line to John Walker. They give him that line because they want to show you that, you know, he's so frustrated. He's not having any success in, in finding anything. But it also shows maybe, you know, there's some other things going on inside. You know, like, I'm not Captain America. No one cares that I'm Captain America. This guy doesn't care that I'm Captain America. And, and he actually says that he says, do you know who I am? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> kind of how the conversation goes. Well, uh, and, and then, and then that leads into the next scene where they're like, we got to go do something. And so they decide to do something off the books and you don't do that. If, if you feel like you have backing from public. No, no, you don't. Um, but they, they have to do something, you know, and, and, I'm I'm just surprised we haven't had anything happen with these guys and the power broker super soldier serum stuff. I I I'm convinced this is where they're going with this plot, but they are halfway through this series and they haven't gone there yet. And so we'll see. Uh Lamar, I haven't gone there as in as in John Walker doesn't has the power super soldier powers super soldier serum. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting John Walker and possibly even Lamar to have the super soldier serum. So there was a shot of John Walker sort of holding his head, sort of wincing right at the very beginning. And I thought, Oh, I wonder if the serum is backed up on him. No, I don't think that they have the serum for him. He doesn't have it yet. Mm. And they made a point Uh, when he fought the super soldiers last episode, they made a point. That surprised me. He doesn't have powers. Mm, that's true. And that's true. and that's why I was thinking, okay, so this is where the show is going with this character. He's going to get the super soldier serum. And like everyone, it's going to bring out what's inside. Right. So then he's going to fight uh, Bruce Banner in Queens and destroy it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or he's going to fight uh, Luke Cage. And right. 
That's right. Mm. Wait, was it was it Luke Cage? Yeah, because no, no, it well, was uh, it was it was Jessica Jones, where you had that patriotic hero. He was patriotic hero in the comics, but he oh. he had like that that super strong. It was basically a super soldier kind of serum. The point about the super soldier serum, and this was made clear in Captain America: First Avenger, is that it amplifies what's inside you, and that's why it worked really well with Steve Rogers. It has not worked since then, and that and that's the thing that the comics has too, right? Uh, kind of yes, kind of no. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in the comics about trying to get, re- replicate the super soldier serum, because it in the comics as well it died with Erskine, and so they try to recreate it. That's we've talked about Man Thing, Ted Salas. That was his whole thing is he was trying to recreate the super soldier serum, uh, and it really backfired because spies were after it and so instead of letting spies get the serum so they could figure out what was inside of it he injected it into his own body fell into the swamp magic stuff happened he becomes a monster john walker this doctor if they had named the doctor that that made the super soldier serum in this show ted salas you would have flipped out wouldn't you have a little bit um a little bit yeah no that definitely something would have happen yeah there would have been some form of celebration but i really couldn't tell you what <laughs> and, um it, not until you saw the swamp thing crawl out of the swamp <laughs> you would not get excited no because i got excited even when they referenced uh, her name's ellen brant but she was in uh, iron man 3 and she had burns on her skin, and that's when they gave her the, you know, whatever serum they had or whatever. And um, she's uh, Ted Salas's girlfriend. And so we have this, uh, this connection there. And and I got yeah. excited about that, you know. So I, I don't have to see it climb out of the swamp, but I, do, I want to. <laughs> but I don't have to. So. Yeah. So does does Man Thing have any connection to Madripoor? No, we'll get to Madripoor, my friend. Okay, good. We will because, get to Madripoor. Because there's going to need to be an MCU according to Ben in this, because I have no idea what Madripoor is. Anyway, keep going. Oh, okay. did, I, did I reference Swamp Thing when I should have said Man Thing? Yeah, but it's okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, you're, you're... <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I'm sh- yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really don't hold people to a high standard when it comes to keeping straight, like obscure swamp monster characters. And <laughs> that's really probably for the best, by the way. Okay. So then we move, we step out of the MCU and we step into silence of the lambs. <laughs> <laughs> which I believe I predicted like I, or I asked the question, are we, are we, are we heading into silence of the lambs territory here with, with what's going on? And yeah, and that's kind of exactly what we have going on here. It's definitely a silence of the lambs type of scenario. I do like that 
as soon as we saw Zemo, I mean, because last time we saw Zemo, he uh, he was in jail, right? And we knew he was in jail and he was going there and he was kind of this downtrodden kind of guy. The first time we see him back, he's back to the same old things. He's starting spouting off some words to get a response out of out of uh, Winter Soldier, Bucky. Yeah, yeah. But then the whole thing where they go, they consult, they leave, and Sam and Bucky are talking, and 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 Bucky's like, "Well, so I might have done a thing." And How did? Oh, it all happened. Like he, they went into the prison, and he set things in motion then and there. And so, so then, then they go to Baron Zemo's garage, his his Jay Leno style garage, <laughs> and and Baron Zemo baron shows up. Zemo. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't think that was mentioned at all in Civil War. He's yeah. a Baron. Yeah, this was not yeah. mentioned. Um, in the comics, that's what he is. His name is Baron right. Zemo, and so he was. That was one of the things where we're like, oh, they MCU'd him. You know, they turned him into the soldier who lost his you know, family and, and all that kind of thing. Well, then we find out now, no, he actually was, he was a Baron, you know, it, and he is, he is low rent, bad guy, Batman. Is what he, is. <laughs> he has a bat cave. He has a, a, a butler who I, I couldn't tell if the butler was also the pilot. I, if, if he wasn't, I, I think they missed an opportunity there. But yeah, this is low rent bad guy TV Batman, and it's it's fun, it's funny, but it's also not exactly the same characterization we got in Civil War. I feel like there's a little bit of of uh, I, don't, I won't go so far as to call it a retcon, but it's very close. You know, if it wasn't for Sokovia and him. Zemo losing his family. I wonder if he would have gotten along with Tony Stark because they're both in the cars. They're both born into these, you know, powerful, rich families. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, it's possible at some point they could have partied together. That actually is quite possible. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so he's actually like, um, so, like, he and Tony grew up in the same house, but one day Tony walked out one door and, and Zemo walked out the other, and one was a good guy and one was a bad guy. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, their their background is, is very similar. They both lost family. They both have lots of money. Um, they, neither of them liked the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. No. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, so, can we go back to prison real quick? Yeah. How did did I miss something in the last episode where Bucky gave Zemo the Machiavelli book, or how did Zemo get this Machiavelli book that had the uh, key pass in it? Do we know? I'm not sure exactly. That's something I missed both times that I watched, and so, so and I rewatched it. I watched this three times and every single time I was like, where do you get the book? How do you get the book? Hmm. I don't believe Bucky is a reliable narrator when it comes to him telling stories to other people. Except the idea is that 
at least this is my impression of the idea is he says one thing and that's the verbal narration, but the video narration that we see is the real thing that's happening. And so I think you're right. He is an unreliable narrator when he's talking to Sam, but we're, see- we're seeing what actually happened. Mm. So somehow, it, and now we're kind of helping the plot along here. And so listeners, you know, if you have a better way to help the plot along and help, help us help the plot, um, maybe, maybe we missed something, but I, I'm wondering, okay, did somehow he ahead of time send that ahead of them? Like he's planning ahead, knowing he's going to do this. And so he somehow sent the book to Zemo so that it would be in Zemo's possession or somehow he got the card into the book, into the library. And that, and that key looked like a, looked like a, a ruler or something like that. So it's like, that's a pretty thick object. You'd think that Zemo would have noticed it. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's in bed in his bunk reading and oops, something falls out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That was a little weird. I was not, I was not thrilled about that. I'm hoping I either want them to never mention it again and just leave it up to the no prize people. Most likely. Or, <laughs> or I want them to explain it in full. No middle ground. I, I think we're, what we got is what we have. And I am fine with that. That allows us to sort of think about things and come up with our own solutions. Great. But Don't sti- explain it further. Yeah. Stylistically, what's fun about it is he is the the whole conversation that's going on between him and Sam is. So if we were to possibly do something, right, and then it's like, well, then this would have to happen. They're talking about something that's just done. It's already happened. You know, well, what's going to cause a distraction? You know, like Sam's asking this question, thinking he's brainstorming and thinking he's like going to be able to say, well, this this plan's never going to work. And the plan is working. The plan has worked. The plan has happened. And Zemo shows up. I love that Ocean's Eleven style storytelling. Yeah. Those are fun. When they're done well, they, they can be really fun. Yeah. When they're yeah. not done well, you're just kind of shake your head and. And, oh. and to be fair, this key card in the Machiavelli book is like one of those things that I expect a higher caliber of storytelling out of an MCU property. And I get that this is for television or streaming or whatever. It's not the, it's not the Russo brothers selling a story. I get that. But it feels like it's a little bit of a, a misstep or a cheat or something. And- but it's interesting too, because they have more time than in a movie, you know, right. This scene, you, you can't lose this scene. You know, if you're, if you're condensing this into two hours and 15 minutes, you have to have this scene and you're a little more forgiving sometimes in a movie where you're just like, well, this had to happen just so they could get Baron Zemo out. And so they could get to Uh Madripoor and they can get his help. Um, I do think it's kind of funny that they're willing to work with Zemo, but they're not willing to work with John Walker. Well, that's because John Walker's not a good guy. And Zemo also is all, not a not good a, guy. It's fine. But Zemo can dance. John Walker can't. I don't know. We <laughs> haven't seen it yet. Um, but it, here's the other thing. They had to kind of rewrite Zemo's motivation because they're kind of using his hatred of super soldiers to get him to to do what's going to 
that's going to happen to get him on their side and willing to work with them. It's like, yeah, hey, you remember how much you hate super soldiers? And then he's like, yeah, I also really hate Hydra. And I've been studying Hydra for years. But, but he's has working he? with Bucky. Huh? And he's working with Bucky. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how he holds Sam and Bucky accountable for actions that neither of them had anything to do with. <laughs> he's like, yeah, your friends dropped a city on my on my town. Yeah, they weren't my friends then. I didn't like. And also, we weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't fight a giant robot. Yeah, they didn't. Again, mm-hmm. they didn't. Okay, so they hunt down the contact in Madripoor. This is where they're going, and Madripoor. This is where I was talking about, like, you want to talk about a reference that's going to bring in Fantastic Four, X-Men, like, usher them in. This is that reference. Madripoor is a country that at one time it was a a haven for mutants. And this is a place for mutants where they could go and live and not have to worry about being registered or um, prejudiced against because they're mutants. You know, this was kind of their safe haven. In, you know, I, I think it was in Asia, but yeah, that's what Madripoor is. Now, this was something that people knew about already because they had seen some set photos with the F- Madripoor flag in the background. And so people knew about this ahead of time. But this is the kind of thing where, yeah, this is going to usher in slowly the slow rollout, the reference, the Easter egg. Are we, is it a country full of mutants? No, it is not a country full of mutants, but is it them using something from the X-Men because they can now you, you, you bet that's exactly what it is. And it's kind of cool. And so the, the vibe of Madripoor was this kind of vibe as well, where it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of illegal activity going on. Um, it's a safe haven for criminals because there isn't, you know, they're not they're not working with other countries. They're not allowing extradition and, and things like that. Um, and so the look and the feel of Madripoor is kind of what goes along with what I know of from the comics. But yeah, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Better than Evan Peters, because. Evan Peters turned out to be because nothing. it's real and it actually makes sense and not just yeah. stunt casting. Okay. We're never yes. going to agree on how it's not a incredible stunt. and awesome Evan Peters was in, in, uh, in WandaVision, but he was, but yes, really good in that Stuart, role. exactly. <laughs> like this is, is, this is the kind of thing you want, right? This is the kind of thing you would hope for is this kind of reference, right? Now imagine that, WandaVision had come after this. Can you imagine the storm <laughs> that they would have not to mention storm? That's true. That is mm. true. People would have been Can you oh. imagine? Yeah. They they already mentioned Madripoor in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm it's glad not. That, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that that WandaVision came out first. Because I would have been wild about if if one division was first or a second after 
Falcon and Winter Soldier, I would have been, I would have upped that bet up to fake $50 (laughs) or fake $100. And Ben still would have taken your money. He still would have won the fake money, yes. (laughs) Well, most of it. Just as much fake money, you only bet as much as you can afford to lose. That's the important thing. Only invest what you can afford to lose, only gamble what you can afford to lose. And so however much imaginary money you could afford to lose, I would take it. Yes. Because. Okay. So I would have, if we want to go there, I would have bet 1 million imaginary dollars. And then I put my pinky up to the corner of my mouth. Um. And Stuart, have we, have we referenced the uh, corner gas imaginary investment episode? Oh, as we've talked about this. no. Yes. <laughs> That is fantastic. I'd forgotten all about that episode until just now. Yeah. I know when we bring up corner gas, it's one of those, essentially it's an inside joke because I'm pretty sure most people out there aren't interested in this Canadian small sitcom. Let me put it this way. There's three people I know of that, that, that would have watched that episode. You, me, or that series, you, me, and Casey. And that's it. (laughs) And and he's a listener to the show. So, like, the three of us are laughing really bad right now. Yeah. But it's so basically, the, the whole joke is exactly what we're doing with our imaginary gambling. Mm-hmm. Except they held themselves to such a tight, like, they we can invest 10,000 imaginary dollars, but then we can also get imaginary dollars from our friends and family who <laughs> will just take their 10. It, it was just... But that's enough. That's enough of that. Look, We're talking about Marvel, not about Corner Gas. It's yeah. on IMDb TV. Watch it. It's hilarious. It's, free. it's clean. The whole series. It's family friendly. It's very funny. Yes. Very, okay. very funny. Okay. So they go, they find their their contact. And their their contact is, what's her name? Selby, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It and doesn't so, matter. <laughs> I thought she was going to be something, and, yeah, so did and I. the and thing no. that she ended up being was dead. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a s- big surprise to me, but that is our introduction to Agent 13. Agent 13, Sharon Carter, she was the one who helped them steal Steve Rogers' shield, but she also stole Steve Rogers' Heart, heart a little bit in this awkward weird love triangle between <laughs> him and her and her aunt and she also <laughs> stole the wings to help that guy save you from that guy yeah oh we also learned that um um uh, Sharon's father who is Peggy's brother is still alive apparently oh good connection yeah. i have you because that it matters because she can't even talk to him, right? Right, yeah. I went down a very different rabbit trail about Sharon Carter. So maybe she was just saying, I can't even talk to my dad. No, it's because he's been he's dead, dead anyway. for 10 years. But like, <laughs> yeah. no, so, okay, so here's my. Here's the, here's the rabbit trail I went down. I, I was literally trying to remember if she was blipped or not, she was snapped. And the only evidence that we have is that one scene in Endgame where they're looking at all the faces and all the faces that are going by are people who disappeared. But 
that's an unreliable source because it also shows Scott Lang, Ant-Man, and he disappeared, but he was in the quantum realm. So maybe Sharon Carter just was like, peace up, I'm out. Well, why would a person? She was on the run. That's my thing. Yeah. I'm not sure she's a good guy anymore. Uh, well, I, I think she is. I mean, she definitely helped them. She's an angry good guy. And maybe she's become an, well, I mean, she is a criminal. You're right. <laughs> she's no, I mean, she's like, straight up a criminal. That's she how she's be, getting all her money. <laughs> she might be on the dark side now. She yeah, might have flipped. But it could be the kind of thing where she's on the dark side because this is what it takes to survive. Right. And then she'll come back because she's still a good guy. Right. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I I could go either way on this, Stuart. Now that you've brought it up, I could go either way. I would gamble either way on this. Bad guy, ultimately. Like I don't want to see her. Like at the end of this show, I want her to be reinstated into the CIA, Shield, whatever, and talk and be like on the good side again. Yeah, but that would be a good arc for her. So. This is interesting, too. And now we're talking about story structure and, you know, how are they going about their quest? You know, first of all, I'm pretty sure that the the important thing here that we are supposed to be seeing and caring about is the relationships. We need to care about the relationship between Sam and Bucky and John Walker. We need to care about the relationship between Sam and Bucky and Zemo. And we need to care about the relationship between Sam and Bucky. That's the most important thing. These other little things where they're following breadcrumb trails here, there, everywhere to try and find super soldier serum so they can keep it off the streets or whatever it might be. That's that's secondary. That's my my running theory about about what's going on here as we're watching this show, because the whole thing here in Madripoor. It almost doesn't matter. They come, they find Selby and cute things happen like the rattlesnake drink that Sam drinks as he's trying to pretend to be smiling tiger. It's really funny. Is that a real comic comic character smiling tiger? It is. And this is one I'm, I'm as honest as I can be with, with this kind of thing where I didn't know. <laughs> like that's one that I looked up to find out. And I, I had never heard of this character before, but it is a character in the, in the Marvel comics for sure. Um, he's and got that claws. Picture they showed and he's, him. Yeah. I think that was Anthony Mac, Mackey, Anthony Mackey, uh, dressed up as something. So it was like, oh, it looks like me. Yes, because it is you. It was funny. It was a funny moment. Yeah. And the oh, whole and, costume and, and the stuff phone was call all... he got during that meeting. Well, that was the best sister. moment. That. Yeah. <laughs> and you're wondering, is this going to work? No, they're not going to let this work. Oh, yeah, I think they might. Oh no, they're not. They're not going to let it work. Okay. <laughs> There was just that up and down and up and down. And it was, it was classic. It was, it was a great moment again, but we're supposed to care about these moments, these character moments, because the person they go to find what happens, she gets shot in the head. Like as soon as they're getting trouble, she's dead. Well, who killed her? Sharon. And so now what's going to happen? Well, we're going to see some character moments where they go to a party. You know, and this is where we get to see Zemo dancing, you know, and it's it's funny and it's cute and it's this moment. And then Sharon just pops in and says, hey, I found your guy. And and that's it. And then they just move on to the next thing and and they have another moment. And they and the big moment here is this is um, Sharon fighting all the people 
as they're doing the investigation. And it's cool and it's really neat. But again, I if want you're gonna... Sharon to get the shield now. That's what I want. <laughs> Actually, she would make a good Captain America. No, she wouldn't. She's a bad person. Mm-hmm. She is an art thief. She's a Carter. She could come around. Uh, Amen, sister. She could come around. We'll see if we see, even see her again. She's under desperate circumstances right now. She could come around. Point being, it was just this <laughs> weird thing where it's, we go to see this person to get the information to find the person. Again, if you're tightening up this movie to make it in two hours and 15 minutes, you're going to either cut Sharon out completely Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have her in the room with them and Selby just gives them the information. And then we just skip the party scene. We skip the art thievery. We just skip all that. And we just move from, we got the information to go to the next step. And, and unfortunately we skip Zemo dancing, which has taken over the internet, <laughs> which I haven't seen anything of that. Really? I saw, oh my I gosh. S- you know what I saw of it? I saw an article that literally was just an article about, hey, this is taking over the internet. I didn't click on it, but I saw the article headline and I'm just, oh, I there's, can see why that would be a thing. There's YouTube cuts of like 10 hours of Zemo dancing to the um, What is Love song from Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I not just... even kidding either. No, I, I believe just it. put Zemo into a Google search bar, and the first thing that pops up is Zemo dancing. And then it takes me to an article from that says, Marvel released an hour-long video of Zemo dancing. It's a, <laughs> it's a fun moment, like I said. And, it is. And this is, again, where now I'm kind of deconstructing it after that conversation with my friend. Because when I was in the moment... It was all the character moments and that's what I cared about. And it was fun and it was funny and it was exciting with all the, the Sharon Carter stuff. But that moment when she just, Hey, you guys go to this party, (laughs) go to this party while I go find out information. And so instead of following her to get the information, we follow them to the party and then she just shows up. Hey guys, let's go. We almost didn't even need Madripoor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we could have found Sharon Carter in, say, Singapore. Yeah, right? no, it it could have been anywhere, and mm-hmm. you know, the the lab in the shipping containers uh, that could have been anywhere too. But this is where this was nice. This was them sitting in the writers' room, realizing, oh, you know what we could do. We need to find a place that's lawless and has lots of criminals and, and Disney that's owns Feige, Fox. And that's when Kevin Feige walked in and said, you're using Madripoor. And they went, oh, that's great, boss. You're yeah. so smart. <laughs> you just described <laughs> some of my own uh, interactions. Every person's interaction As with a their boss. boss. No, like I... I <laughs> I have moments like that where I walk in and it's just like, I think they already decided this. And now they're just trying to make me feel good as, as their supervisor. (laughs) That never happens. (laughs) Yeah. So then Carter's out after the big fight, the big violent fight. um, Carter's out. Now we get some moments with Zemo as well. He puts on his mask and kills people. 
and and helps. And then when they all, all finally get together and they're getting information from um, from the guy, that's where Zemo's like just caps him in the head because now that he's dead, just like Erskine, Erskine died, we lose the super soldier serum. This guy, he's going to die. Be, and no one's going to make a super soldier ever again. And it's this weird kind of thing where they've created this motivation for him that just wasn't there in Civil War, but apparently was always there. And so this is, I, I guess, I guess it is retconning. It's not jarring because it's all stuff that could have happened off screen, but it's there. It's there. It's not like making him Latvian from working with Dr. Doom. You know what I mean? It's not, it's retconning him. I think it's, I think it's fleshing out his character a little bit more. Yeah. He hates Hydra. Yeah, he hates the Avengers. Yeah, he hates everybody super. He, he hates all these like super groups and he wants to destroy them. But it just started with the Avengers after his, you know, stint in Sokovia. Yeah, but he, yeah. the way he talks about things, it feels like he's been like he's, he was he was following and, and learning about Hydra for years. You know, did that start? with Ultron or was he doing it before Ultron? Like, was he already kind of on this path before the stuff with Ultron happened? Well, doesn't this happen in comic books all the time? You know, one writer will write down a thing and the the next writer will be like, well, I don't know. (laughs) Turns into Christopher Walken all of a sudden. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) what is Zemo's country of origin. He's Sokovian. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he grew up behind the Iron Curtain, I'm guessing. Yes. So he he does not like large groups who think that they can change the world. Oh, maybe. That could be it. The real question is, was he importing DVDs before there were DVDs? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. From Wanda's dad. What a thing. But possibly. I mean, he's he even with the money he had, he was probably watching bootleg DVDs. I mean, that's just how Sokovia is. You know how the Sokovians are with their DVDs. So Carter stays behind. Carter does not go with them because she can't go with them. Sam promises her a pardon. Sam's making a lot of promises. He's riding I was on that a little Falcon bit surprised. Name. Yeah, he's yeah. riding on that that Falcon name a little heavy and not getting any good results. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. But who could he really go to to get her name cleared? John Walker. Yeah, he's he's kind of referencing the idea do- that that Bucky has been kind of pardoned. Bucky doesn't have to even do his his uh, court ordered therapy anymore. You know, he and it was John Walker who did that for them. And so I think Sam is is saying he has contacts. John Walker might be the one or might be someone else. But that was my first thought. They still don't trust John Walker. And I I think after the first scene in this episode the audience doesn't trust him really either 
I do. I trust him as much as I believe he he truly wants to do the best he can. And but his frustration is coming through here. And Lamar mentioned earlier, you can't just punch away your problems anymore. That was uh, last episode. And and so that was kind of referencing what we don't know yet. We haven't seen yet, but there is something with John Walker that is a temper. Maybe. I don't know. But all the best villains begin as potential heroes and they are the heroes of their own story. Like, for example, look at Anakin Skywalker. He was set up to be this epic hero and he was set up to be, you know, bring balance to the force and to, you know, do all of this. I mean, he, he had everything lined up for him and then he turns into a villain. I believe that that's the track they're taking here. I think if John Walker is going to become an actual villain, it is because he is trying in the wrong way to be a hero. Yes. I, I think you are absolutely right. And, I, and that's compelling storytelling. You know, how yes. many of us do the wrong thing for the right reasons? Right. And we say, it's okay for me to lie here, cheat here, steal here, because ultimately it's for the greater good or it's for a greater good, or it's for my good. You know, that's, that's everyone, you know, at at some point or another, and we either learn from it and grow or we learn from it and continue. (laughs) And yeah. I kind of feel like Bucky and Sam are just going off and not even caring about John Walker. Like they've got their mission and they're going to do it, whether John Walker follows them, follows them or not. Captain America follows them or not. And yeah. Yeah, no, you're right there. <laughs> that's what's funny about this episode is they're just off doing their own thing. And they're doing the thing that John Walker can't, which they talked about last episode. We can do things you can't do. And so this episode earlier, uh, John Walker and Lamar decide we are going to do things um, their way. In some well, ways. John Walker decides Lamar just follows him at slower pace. So speaking of following they decide that they're going to go to Latvia. I think it's Latvia because of no, the lady died in Latvia and you have the whole thing with uh, Carly Morgenthau and Morgenthau. Yeah. Carly Morgenthau. Sorry. Morgenthau. You have the whole yeah. thing with Carly Morgenthau and she's kind of leading the flag smashers. And we see Samantha, just like you said, she is absolutely as the villain of this piece so far, she's definitely the hero of her story. And she's a compelling, yeah. she's a compelling villain because the bad things, and we might even find out they're not all that bad, but the things that she's doing is for these right reasons, you know? And, and so this woman dies because they weren't able to help her. And she blows up a thing and, there's people inside even, and it's not good. That's where she's kind of stepping the, over the line where she's intentionally killing people like who don't, didn't need to die. Um, yeah. Yeah. So 
Zemo, Sam, Bucky, they're on her trail, but as they're on her trail, they go to um, Latvia or whatever. Not Latveria. This is not Dr. Doom's country. I was going to ask. It's Latvia and not, what did you say, Latveria? Latveria is the imaginary Dr. Doom runs this country in the Marvel Universe. Latvia is a real place. Yes, that I knew. Okay. That I had to look up to make sure. But, <laughs> but yeah. And and so Bucky always on guard, you know? He's always on. He's always ready. He starts seeing these little little oh, he's little little tech things. Does little he have techie, guys? techie ball things? And he follows the trail and comes around the corner. And there's no one there, but he knows someone's there. So he starts talking to the air. And what happens? He turns around and there is someone from Wakanda. And it's Ayo, Ayo, A-Y-O is how you spell it. I don't know how you say it necessarily, but she's been around like she was in Civil War. And um, Black Panther. Yeah. But and Endgame. But more important to me is she was in Civil War because this is Civil War is referencing or we this the show is referencing all those civil war things and she was there she was an actress who was on the set in the scenes with the king and great let's bring this one back for sure i love it that they mm-hmm. brought her and it wasn't rando you know it just wasn't this random a- anyone that we never saw cuz they could have done that um but if they're not going to bring back shuri or um I can't remember how to say what her was name. the but, leader? Uh, yeah. Oh, it starts with the O, but I don't remember. Um, but anyway, earlier on, uh, Sam had said, you know, this guy killed their king. You think they're going to forget that? They're not, by the way. Spoiler. And they haven't. She's there. She's there for Zemo. What a great ending to this episode. Again, not yeah. a big giant ending. Not a big giant cliffhanger. See, the thing about this is it's solid. You know, you have, we've had three episodes. They're, they're solid episodes. We know where we're going. Kind of. We know what to expect for the most part. We're not, you know, being thrown a whole bunch of loops. Like what are they doing in the bewitched era? And why are they in Dick Van Dyke era? I mean, like, it's a fairly solid storytelling. We just got to get to the end. It's solid and they're doing it differently than they would if it was one long movie. They're definitely trying to do episodic storytelling. It's not episodic in the sense of uh, the Mandalorian where every episode is a standalone story with things that kind of link to each other. It's not even the X-Files you know, where you have episode, episode, episode mythology or whatever. Um, They're trying to do this serialized thing and and have actual episodes. So you feel like something happened and and there is a beginning, a middle and end, you know, we, the investigation, this, this episode is the investigation, you know, and next episode, I don't know what it's going to be, but let's say it's, it's the fight, you know, or, or whatever it might be. But that's both to its detriment and to its benefit. 
I'm really curious, what does this show look like when you binge watch it? What does it look like when you sit down and watch three episodes in a row and then sit down and watch the next three episodes in a row on the next day or something like that? And you don't have to wait a whole week to find out, does this matter? You know, is she just showing up? Is this because how many TV shows have you had that happen where there's this big reveal, this big thing happened and this cliffhanger. And then the next episode, it's just like, let's talk for a minute. And now I'm going to go home. That could happen here. Would it matter if you're binge watching? Not so much. But in this case, what's it all mean? WandaVision doesn't, it binges, but not in that episodic serial tie-in. It binges because you're going to try to figure out what happens next. Whereas Mandalorian, you could actually stitch all eight episodes of season one of Mandalorian together, press play, and just watch it. And it works. Yeah, but here's the other thing with Mandalorian, though. I wasn't between episodes during the week. I wasn't, like, obsessing over, oh, what's going to happen next? What does this mean? You know, with WandaVision, we were. What does this mean? And we're looking at all the clues. And WandaVision was a mystery. Like, that's actually kind of what they were setting up, is they wanted you to... figure out what's going on and put the pieces together. And then when everything they, they do that, that thing, it was Agatha all along, although it kind of wasn't <laughs> Agatha all along. She was just along for the so, ride and kind of nudging things to, to her benefit. But it was the, actually Mephisto all along. It, yeah, the, the mystery <laughs> was there. And with this show, it really is just more about what are they going to do next? There's not a mystery to it. You know, I mean, there's things being unraveled. There's things being figured out. Isaiah uh, Bradley, I think is what his name is. Um, Which, by the way, last episode. Yeah. um, Yeah. That was a a nice reveal, you know, and that was some cool stuff. And there's there's some mystery there. uh, But it also feels very straightforward. This is a straightforward action TV show. Yeah. And not even like a... um like a spy, you know, like a straightforward spy show. It's just, it's a straightforward action show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's mystery tidbits, you know, um, the guy that they went to, what's his name? Uh, I've got it here somewhere. Nah, Nagel. Yeah. Dr. Nagel. That is from the comics. Again, it's from the Isaiah Bradley storyline um, where they were trying to, I, I think I misspoke. I think I talked about how he might have been a super soldier before Steve Rogers. Um, but I think it was actually that it was after Steve Rogers, Rogers, they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum. And yeah, so w- I think we're going to see all these people again. We're going to see Isaiah again. We're going to see Carter again. I think we might, it might be on the final episode <laughs> that we see them all again, but it's just, yeah, it's very straightforward I mean, and it's building up. Get some... Go ahead. I was going to say, they, they definitely got to get some chess pieces moved to the right spot on the board so that that final battle actually has some weight to it. Now, who the final battle is going to be between, you know, yeah, it's probably the Flag Smashers on somewhat, but you know Sam's got to take the shield up again. And John Walker shield. has to, I think, has to Lose end up shield. 
Yeah, well, and but get super strength before he does. That's again my. That's just my feeling of where we're going with this because I really want it to go there. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, why introduce the super soldier serum again if you're not going to have somebody use it, and not just the flag smashers? I mean, like, it, it almost seems like they're. Uh, a, a, a MacGuffin to get to the, you know, to propel us into the second act or the third act, I guess. Might be, might be. All right. Any other thoughts? It's nice to see trouble man back. Yeah. The blipped refugee camps. I got to thinking about that. You know, how true would it be that all of a sudden half of the universe is population disappears for and they're gone for five years and people adjust and move on and close neighborhoods and and then five years later that missing half blips back and all all of a sudden you have to accommodate everybody and it seemed like a natural course that yes these people would end up in these refugee camps and I mean, to, to see that commercial at the beginning of this episode juxtaposition to what we saw later in the actual camps, it was actually disturbing, but you can kind of see how that would work in reality, There's, how that would actually happen. There was two different juxtapositions with that. And, and one was, what did the camps actually look like? The other was, this is what this group, oh, what was it called? The, um, the GRC. Yeah. GRC, the global repatriation council. Okay. That was again, some neat little ideas that they're putting in this, the sci-fi ideas where this is a bigger thing than just, um, a superhero movie. Like we're in sci-fi territory right now where this is an alternate world, that isn't just our world with superheroes, but it's our world that went through a huge trauma, a worldwide trauma, you know, and it's kind of cool right there, but they move from, this is what we're doing to um, the truck pulls up and it's a GRC truck and John Walker runs out and he's punching people and telling them, do you know who I am? Yeah. And then they were talking about tuberculosis and, yeah. Just kind of being forgotten. I mean, they blip back into re- into reality. I mean, they didn't hardly even notice that they were gone. And then blinked in five years. It, it's five years later. And yeah, their entire, everything was turned upside down. Yeah, they lost everything. And, yeah. and so some people, like, we're also seeing kind of two different worlds where you have people who have very little to lose and they lose everything. And then you have other people, especially in, you know, more wealthy nations who they just are able to kind of step back into life as normal. And, you know, yeah, they have trouble getting loans. You know, there, there's, there's issues there, but they, they have homes, they have food. Yeah. Well, but even Monica Rambeau, she didn't, wasn't able to step back into her life fully either. Yeah. Right. It's not perfect, but it, it is more, 
I mean, which would you rather have where you, you've lost your job and you can never fly again or whatever it might be, or you're living in a, a refugee camp that they just can't accommodate you anywhere. I'm going to go for the refugee camp, Alex. <laughs> I'm not, but, <laughs> but this is where, no, I mean, this is where the, valid. yeah. So with the, with the police scene and the loan scene and those things, and they're referencing things in the real world, but they're referencing the things in the world, real world by showing us the real world thing, the refugee stuff that we're seeing here. And, and some of the sci-fi things that come out of the science fiction of it all. Um, that's where we get to see these concepts of, you know, from our real world, but they are uh, tempered by the science fiction of it, you know? And so this is one of the things that science fiction is just good at doing is showing you a world that's not like our own, but making commentary on our world through that, you know, whether it's the twilight zone or star Trek or, or whatever it might be, they're doing it here. It's subtle and it's not super sophisticated, but it's here. And it, and it, I like it. I like it. Yeah. It also says a lot about money and, you know, the more powerful nations versus the less powerful nations. Um, and I keep looking at, you know, the people who were blipped in the MCU and comparing it to the real world and and this pandemic. Um, uh, I was speaking with someone just a couple of days ago about the pandemic, and one of them said, oh, I have cousins who live in this country, and they are making the vaccines, but they're and it's only half an hour from their house where this this manufacturing plant is but all of those vaccines are going to the u.s and i spoke to another person is who is indian and has family in india and friends and it's far more widespread there than it is here in the u.s right now and it's because there are more vaccines here in the u.s and it's just because the u.s has the has the ability to to purchase those vaccines i mean so it's it's it. I mean, those less powerful countries have a huge disadvantage when it comes to resources because they just don't have the money. Yeah. So, you know, in the U.S., it, it, they would probably put out these stimulus packages in the MCU to help people and these programs to put people back in homes and um, and back into jobs. Whereas, because they would get the money somehow, but these less powerful countries. All they can do is just put these people into um, a tent city and leave it at that. What else do you want to touch on before we close this down? Um, I also, I did a little bit of math. I was looking at the timed minutes per episode. And we only have four Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're only given six episodes but they're longer episodes compared to WandaVision. And I did the math. Um, so WandaVision had episodes that were approximately 22 minutes without the, the seven-minute credits. Um, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're approxim- approximately 42 minutes. And then if you just add up 
the approximate total minutes per series, it's about the same. So we're getting the same, the same minutes, just fewer episodes. Well, let's wrap this up then. Okay. Any final words? What are your final words? Give me some final words. Um, do we have any feedback? So we do have uh, a little bit of feedback from agent Hank and Hank says, um, referencing our last episode or two episodes ago, I'm pretty happy with just about all the toppings with my apple pie. Just not all at the same time. Hot apple pie with a slice of sharp cheddar is easily better than it has any right to be. And then he says, since the Avengers initiative was a product of Nick Fury and shield and was maintained financially by Tony Stark. And since all of those are pretty much gone at this point, as well as the limitations imposed by the Sokovia Accords, I think the Avengers have been pretty much mothballed. It's also surprising that if the, that even if Stark did not establish an Avengers trust to support the team, why wouldn't pepper Potts Stark have provided for them? Uh, the beauty of listening to welcome to level seven after having seen episode two is it's exciting to dig into the race issues with Isaiah Bradley uh, Bill Bixby is the best Bruce Banner, David Bruce Banner. And then we also have a message from Chris. And he says, listening to your coverage of Falcon and Winter Soldier, you, message, you mentioned, why didn't Tony have the Avengers uh, leave the Avengers their 3,000 cheeseburgers? Maybe he did, but only to those on Team Stark and not Team Cap. If memory serves, and it does, Sam was on Team Cap and therefore wouldn't be eligible. Not a serious thought on my part, but I thought it was funny. So that is a little bit of feedback from Hank and Chris about two episodes ago. And that's because we hadn't released our episode two coverage in time for people to send in anything about that. So, Agent Hank and I, we have very similar tastes in food. I see him post a lot of like deep Texas barbecue makes my mouth water a lot. So <laughs> you go for it, Hank. All right. Well, that's this episode then. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We're going to talk a little bit about some news after the credits here. Uh, until then, here we are at this table together. Stuart on my left, Samantha on my right, but it's a little bit crowded, Stuart. It's a little bit crowded. You're not going to move your seat up, are you? Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us. Now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 or send us an email to feedback at welcome to level 7.com. Just don't forget the seven is spelled out. You can also go to welcome to level 7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. No. <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit of news. Uh, Loki had a new trailer that yeah. I was just blown away by how Terry Gilliam it felt. Gilliam-esque, as it were. 
And especially when you throw in the time travel moments, I really wanted to watch Time Bandits. I just haven't had time. But Terry Gilliam is one of my favorite directors of all time. And Time Bandits is a favorite movie of mine, for sure. So Loki already looks like they're shaping it up to be something that I'm going to enjoy. It it does feel like it's got that weird factor to it that is just weird. <laughs> well, but like, even like the tech stuff, like is because that's something that Terry Gilliam would do in his in his science fantasy worlds, you know, like Brazil and, and Time Bandits with like giant old tube TVs that are like just hanging from the ceiling, you know, that kind of thing. There's just so much in the background of the Loki trailer where I'm just it, it feels it feels of a piece with the Terry Gilliam movie. Oh, for sure. In the for trailer. Sure. Anyway. I, I am excited for it because I, I, of all of the new, uh, MCU shows going to be on Disney plus. Wanda vision. We kind of had an idea that it was going to be Wanda and vision and, and maybe, you know, them in the past or them in the future or something. And, and what we got was very good. And we kind of had an idea with Falcon and Winter Soldier of what that was going to look like with Loki. I, I think as soon as that was announced, we were like, how is this even going to be a thing? What is this even going to look like? He's dead, but he's alive, but he stole the Tesseract. What's, what's going on? And and I think we're starting to see what that looks like. And it's it's shaping up to be very interesting. Is it going to destroy or rewrite or reimagine the MCU? It could, for sure. Yeah. Do we want it? I don't know. That's the thing is, you know, before they introduced time travel into the MCU, I was against it. I love time travel. A lot of my writing career is based on time travel. My first published book was a time travel story. I love time travel, but the MCU to me was just like, let's just keep it straightforward. You know, let's let, we don't have to create this multiverse to have good, compelling stories. Well, yeah, you don't have to, but it's happening. And so I'm, I'm looking at this and just saying, okay, it looks fun, funny, fantastic. So I'm going along for the ride. Loki's not a favorite character of mine, but the stuff in the trailer, I I liked the look. I liked what, what we were seeing. And I, I think that, that we have some good stuff potentially coming our way for sure. So yeah. Like, and I, Owen Wilson. What's up with that? I don't know, but that just added to it. Like all of a sudden I'm, I, cause I think I knew he was in it, but now I'm watching him in this trailer and I'm just, is this the buddy cop movie we're getting? time buddy cop movie is it loki and owen wilson because that's worth money like that's worth money paying for to see for disney plus i think after they made the the first and second thor movies they realized that they made a mistake having thor to be sort of like the mythological branch of the mythological and epic branch of the mcu because they had Chris Hemsworth and they have Tom Hiddleston and they're both their comedic timing is spectacular. And so I think that's why that that's part of the reason why that uh, Thor three was so different because it was funnier. It was wacky and wild and, 
and it's because the um, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston can handle that very well, extremely well. Can and so and did, they're yes, just, yeah. And and so they're just rolling with that. They they took the opportunity and rolled with it because comedy, realistically, um, in acting, is the hardest thing to do. And they have two guys who can just do it without hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Exciting. We'll see where it is. But for now, we just have to wait. And I don't want to see much more. I want to be, I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any of the Black Widow trailers. They keep releasing new ones to tell us when it's coming out again. I'm like, no, I'm already going to go to the theater if I can to see it. So you don't have to sell me on it anymore. No, but my kids are excited because it has uh, Hopper from Stranger Things. <laughs> so, and that's why they wanted to watch Kong, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is is because uh, Millie Bobby Brown was in there. And yeah. Have they seen Enola Holmes yet? Yes. Yeah. That's a great yeah. movie. It is. It was fantastic. It yeah. is. With uh, Superman as Sherlock Holmes. I mean, that's... Yeah. A very no. different Sherlock Holmes because he was <laughs> less self-centered. He's not my Sherlock Holmes. That's no. let's put it that way. Not my Sherlock. He's not Holmes. my. He's not my Superman either. No, but I, I, <laughs> if they took it out of the Sherlock Holmes Holmes realm, I, I think it would have still d- did done just as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so you bring that you up. Wanna... This this maybe is the last bit we'll talk about, and then and then we'll shut this down completely. But okay. Um, you I... just watched through a whole lot of DC movies or DC movie time anyway, because you yeah, watched the time. Justice League movie. Okay, so the director, so the I ultimate saw, cut, right? I saw I saw Man of Steel when it came out in theaters, and I hated it because he's not my Superman. And then you know, fast forward to now. And, and though the Snyder cuts out, so let's watch the Snyder cut. Oh, but you got to watch Batman versus Superman. Okay, so I watched Batman versus Superman, the ultimate cut, and he's still not my Superman. And then he, you know, dies, and it's like, well, okay, I guess that's fine. But nobody cared about him before, so now he's dead, and now everybody cares about him. Fine, he was a jerk before. I'm kind of going off on a rant, I guess. Yeah, he yeah. was a jerk before, and now he's not. Now they they're mourning his death. So whatever. Anyway, so now I have to suffer through four hours of the Justice League movie <laughs> that's only to get him back, and then now he's a good Superman? No. No. You didn't earn that. Sorry, Zack Snyder. You didn't earn resurrecting Superman to make him be good. So what I'm hearing from you is you kind of didn't... I watched the Christopher <laughs> Reeve ones afterwards. That's what you're hearing from me, Ben. That's my Superman. That's everyone's Superman. Yeah. That's correct. It's okay. Actually, this is my problem with the with the Henry Cavill, uh, Zack Snyder, Christopher Nolan sort of iteration of Superman is uh, he needs. You actually posted this a long time ago, Ben, and then it came up again. Superman needs to be pulled. What did you say? Pulled to the dark, but staying in the light, right? Demanding to stay in the light. 
Whereas Batman needs to be demanding to stay in the dark, but pulled to the light. And that's the contrast I want. I don't, I don't care that Batman, I mean, I do, I did like Ben Affleck as Batman and Bruce Wayne sort of protecting earth. I thought that was real interesting. And like, I'm going to protect these people from the monsters in the sky. I thought that was pretty cool, but I still didn't want it to be Superman. I wanted Superman to be this like better than we are type of person, almost Christ-like, you know? And, and what's the allegory there? That's what I thought worked, but it didn't work in this series. Yeah. So I, I look at Superman and I know people look at him and say, okay, he's, he's too powerful. He's too strong. And he's too good, you know? And, and I disagree. I believe that a good Superman story is one where they do tempt him toward the darkness, but he, you know, in the end, you know, he, he chooses to walk in the light. He chooses to mm-hmm. be good. And yes, I think that, that is something that is inspirational to me. That is something mm-hmm. that has inspired me since I was a little, little kid. And, and so that's what I want to see. And a lot of people, they, they say that's boring, you know, and, and that's fine. That's your opinion. You can, you can have that opinion. That's fine. The problem is the writers are also saying the same things, you know, <laughs> and, and, and so you kind of have them stepping away from, to me, what is the essence of Superman, which is someone who has such great power. A lot of his conflict doesn't come from, can he, well, the bad guy isn't strong enough to even, you know, beat him. You know, the, the bad guy needs, so he has to have, a, you know, whatever, create whatever big, bad, bad guy you want. That's fine. But the big conflict is within where he's choosing to use his power. You know, and, and the whole with great power comes great responsibility is there in this in this icon. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, as a Christ symbol or whatever, and, and it does work in that way. But to me, it also works in the in the symbol of of us, you know, of us choosing to do what's right and choosing that we have power over someone. But we're going to choose not to use our power to manipulate them or not to use our power to harm them. We're going to choose to use our power to help these people, even though they may not deserve it. You know, but we are doing this because they are people, you know. And, right. And, right. And that's the kind of thing where especially Christopher Reeve, Superman, where, yeah, he chooses to give up his power so he can have love, mm-hmm. but then has to go and get them back again so he can destroy so he has to make these sacrifices and the conflict comes from the sacrifice the conflict comes from the choices and the conflict comes from from those places and now you got me going Stuart. but huh. mm. yeah. well uh, so i have a lot to say about <laughs> superman too and about that choice of giving up his power but that's just going to make this after credit oh so much longer <laughs> so so the the thing about the, this new iteration of Superman is that he, they're trying, I mean, I, I feel like they're trying to make him a human who also has superpowers. And I guess if that's the story you want to tell, fine. You know, I don't make movies for a living. I, I don't get to choose those things, but this is also not my Superman. You know, it's not, it's not the Superman I want to see. This is the same reason I don't like this new Cap, right? He could be a great guy. He's just not my Captain America. 
Here's the thing, though. People are missing the point about that. He's not supposed to be. No, and I you know? get that. And, that's, and I know that's... that we're supposed to be mad at him because we are. We were like, but Cap gave the shield to Sam. Sam's supposed to have the shield. I get it. I'm falling into that. I completely realize. But he's still not my Cap. And he won't be. No. And so you say and you're that... falling. You're, you say you're falling into that, but... But that's where they want you, you know, exactly. unfortunately, people don't realize like right. that's what they they don't want you to say, oh, yeah, we got a new Captain America to take Chris Evans place. They don't want you saying that because that's not the point. The point is they no. want you to be like, this isn't right. And but yeah, especially as they we move want forward. You to side with Bucky. They want you to side with Bucky and empathize with Bucky when he says Cap was right if cap was wrong about you then he was wrong about me like that right there that line is the most important line in the three episodes we've seen so far yeah but unfortunately for him he is wrong <laughs> it's, that's his insecurity speaking that's not truth right. speaking you know that's him believing a lie in his head that and we can we'll talk about it next episode yeah <laughs> Anyway, um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say about Justice League that part of the reason why so many people like it, Stuart, and you don't, is that you haven't seen the Whedon cut or the theatrical I, cut. I don't even know that that's the that's the issue. Wait. Like, I I was okay with the style a little bit. Like, I understood that you know Zack Snyder is a is a is a um. Uh, visual effects artist i you know enjoyed 300 for what it looked like i enjoyed um the the watchman for what it looked like the stories were not great though it was worse in the theatrical cut because um i think besides batman and superman everybody else's story was cut short not even at the knees like at the chin we'll see that's the um, problem yeah, that. and I mean, I mean, like Wonder Woman, she, her character in the theatrical cut was basically cut down to be this whiny character who did nothing to uh, lead and advance the plot. But in this one, she does so much more. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Zack Snyder said that because Steppenwolf was a god, only a god, I mean, in his universe, only a god can kill a god. And so in that situation at the end fight, the only person who was possibly able to kill him was Diana Prince was Wonder Woman because she, her father was Zeus. But let's let's be clear here. Like the and, the ultimate cut of Justice League, it took a mediocre movie and when they did that longer cut, it took mm -hmm. that mediocre movie and made it less mediocre and a little bit longer. Yeah. And with this Justice League um Snyder cut, it takes a movie that I think I gave it three and a half stars and I changed my rating to be three stars so I could give Justice League four hour cut three and a half stars. It's not great. It's not it's great. It's but... better, but it's not great. And it, it made the money. So bless them. And you if know? you liked it, I mean, it got me to, it got me to subscribe to HBO max, which is, there's a lot of stuff on HBO Max. So, like, if this was the push that got me there, fine. And if you enjoyed, you know, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, great. For me, it all hinges on Superman. He doesn't 
like he gets there at the end, but only because I think people push him there. I don't think he wants to be there. I don't know. Well, I, I did Pro. like it. I did like it for what it was. It's four hours. I didn't watch it all together. I watched it basically in four sittings. And so as a mini series, uh, you know, a WandaVision style thing, it's it's good. I'm not going to rewatch it in, in black and white, though. You know, I, I felt there's like a black and white cut, too. That's they just did a. Yeah. Release, uh, oh. yeah. Um, I, yeah. And all they did was just change it to black and white. And that was it. But um, I felt like either because there were six different parts, I think I think I feel like either they should have made it a miniseries or tightened up the editing because they there plan, were some. They planned yeah, to. They, it was going to be released as four episodes. OK, because it. I think that's yeah, because um, the first act actually in this in this version was an hour and a half of a four hour movie. I mean, that's much longer. And there were four music videos in the midst of that oh man and, and oh my gosh yeah. i mean i mean they were so. i mean if i had watched them on youtube individually i would have really enjoyed them but it's just it made a four hour it, it made a, this movie so much longer they really could have cut at least 30 to 45 minutes out of this movie yeah. and it would have been just fine it well, is well, not a perfect thing for sure. No. <laughs> what should have happened, in all honesty, is they should have done something very small, very well. They were trying to emulate, oh my gosh, the Avengers was amazing. Avengers Age of Ultron was amazing. The the uh, you know, Endgame was the was the most popular movie of all time until Avatar took it over again or whatever. Right? So we're trying to emulate that. And what they're doing is they're trying to emulate the end without emulating the 10 years of buildup to it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's that, always been a problem with what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. It's always been a problem. So like, unless. And I unless, feel like they, they also try to cram so much into every yeah. movie because um, I went back and I watched um, Batman versus Superman and there was so much stuff that I could not retain from one scene to the the other because it felt like they were trying to mash three movies into one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we need to shut this down though. We need to. Yeah, we do. And this is going to sound like a bunch of Marvel nerds bashing on DC and I, you know, it kind of is what it is, but it kind of is, but it isn't like this. It is what it is. And what it is, is, a perfectly serviceable movie that was made really long yeah. <laughs> to become a perfectly service serviceable miniseries. So, yeah, yeah. I will then, say this Stuart. Um, so it's not Christopher Reeve, but I think you would really enjoy Superman and Lois. It's basically Smallville, the next generation. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 I Yeah. I think you'll really like it. I've just got some more Star Trek The Next Generation to watch over and over again, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Later, guys. Bye. Bye.